Let's just pray. Father, we just pray that your word would go forth in this place today. I just pray you be with Ian as he delivers the message you've given him. May you be with us all and be, may we be receptive to listen to what you are saying. Amen. Amen. We've just been singing some wonderful hymns this morning. I want to remind us of some uh, eternal truths for us this morning before I begin to speak. We remember the words from Genesis. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So God created. He got his hands dirty and he created us into being. And he created each and every one of you as individuals and special. The late Billy Graham used to say that he would read from the Proverbs daily. And he would say of this proverb, I was there when he set the heavens in place. Not Billy Graham, this is the person writing the proverb, said this. I was there when he set the heavens in place. And when he marked out the horizon on the face of the deep. Here is a truth for you this morning. God is love. Isn't he worthy of all our praise and majesty and worship this morning as we've come to sing his praises? It goes on to say in 1 John 4 and verse 10, This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and he sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. This eternal God has a plan for your life and for mine. He came to seek and to save the lost. I want to go back and read some of those verses right at the end when I've, when I've finished saying some things from Nehemiah chapter 4. And they're quite hard things to listen to because not only do I have to preach to you this morning, I have to preach to myself. And I don't stand here in any way above all of you because I'm just like you. I'm a sinner that is saved. I was once was lost, but now I am found. But we come to Nehemiah chapter 4. We have understood that Nehemiah has left his security in the palace in chapter 1. In chapter 2, he asked the king because he was burdened to go to Jerusalem to rebuild it. Not for himself but for the glory of God. That's why he went. That's why he left with letters uh, from the king's forest. That is why he actually left in safety from the king. And when he came to Jerusalem, in chapter 3, we read briefly last week about all the gates that were not in place, that it wasn't a place of safety. And we read about the stone walls that had to be rebuilt. And then we had this almost this drone-like picture of looking down on Jerusalem and seeing all the gates and the walls and thinking to ourselves, what gates need to be rebuilt? And so it is today that we encounter today these guys called Sambalat, Tobiah and Geshem. Jeremiah in chapter 2, or sorry, Nehemiah chapter 2, Nehemiah was asked the question, are you rebelling against the king? 
And Nehemiah answered, the God of heaven, Yahweh, will give us success. So Nehemiah was always praying, I believe, not for himself, but for the success of the builders. And now we come to chapter 4 of Nehemiah. And there are some headings which I want to give to us. Uh, I'm sorry I haven't got a PowerPoint behind me, but verses 1 to 6 I've entitled Ridicule. Ridicule. Sambalat heard that they were rebuilding the temple. He not only sort of ridiculed them, but he did it in a very strange way. He said, you feeble Jews. And this idea of being feeble is like a broken flower. It's someone who is fading away. He was almost undermining with taunts from Sambalat. He was almost laughing. Are you really going to finish it all in a day? But Nehemiah was up against total ruination. Total ruination. With the stones lying around and all the workers busy trying to put the stones back together. Sambalat was in actual fact someone who, I can't believe I'm saying this to you, but James Hamilton, who, who, who read a commentary just this week, said of Sambalat that he was a bully. That he was someone who in actual fact wanted to undermine everything that God was doing. And I find that really hard to say to you this morning. But just let's remember that Jesus was mocked. He went to a trial and it says in Luke, the natural fact, there were many other things in Luke 22, but there were many other things that were said. Let's not ever forget that in the Bible, yes, we have God's truth, but there are other things that were said that are not noted. We also know that David and Goliath, some of you may know, remember that Old Testament story where little David comes out against Goliath. And he says, you have come out to fight against the Philistines. But David was the victor. And it was Goliath in 1 Samuel 17 who mocked him. But what was Nehemiah's response in verse 4? He said, hear us, our God. If some of you are maybe thinking to yourself, well, Ian, how can I pray? There's an imprecatory prayer, which is actually mentioned in the Psalms, Psalm 69 and 79 and 139. Not only does Nehemiah give a personal prayer, but it very quickly changes to corporate. Hear us, our God. Here we are, rebuilding the temple. But Ian, what about today when people are being ridiculed and people are being persecuted? I've read in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 23, it says, Don't have anything to do with the foolish and the stupid arguments because you know that they produce quarrels. But Ian, people are being persecuted around the world. Some of you may have known of a work that was set up by Brother Andrew many years ago called Open Doors. And there is a watch list, a world watch list of nations where people are receiving the worst treatment and these countries are North Korea, Afghanistan, Libya and Somalia and Pakistan. And I want to encourage you this morning with these words of Jesus. He says, I have told you that these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble, 
but take heart, I have overcome. Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Saviour, has overcome. Ridicule, verses 1 to 6. And now we come to verses 7 to 9. And we're going to be thinking about intimidating plots. Intimidating plots. If that wasn't bad enough, where people like Sambalat and others were accusing and making fun of Nehemiah, it almost it, it goes up a ratchet from seven to nine. And the enemies were almost saying to Nehemiah in those days, well, we don't really want Jerusalem to be too powerful. We would like you to depend on us. And these issues were being raised by others outside, very powerful enemies of Jerusalem. And if you have a compass, some of you may be aware that in the north there were Sambalat, in the east there were uh, the Samaritans, in the south Tobiah, and in the west Geshem. And we read, not only are Sambalat incensed, he now says he's very, very angry. And here we've got Nehemiah's response to prayer in verse 9. He says, But we prayed to our God and posted and guarded day and night to meet this threat. This was the action. So if you say to me, Ian, what can I do about these uh, intimidating responses from people? I'd like to encourage you to remind you that we are not in a physical battle. We are in a spiritual battle too. And some of you may well know the verses I'm about to read to you from Ephesians 6 and verses 10 to 18. But we need to put on the whole armour of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. And now if it wasn't getting any worse for Nehemiah with these threats of plotting to kill Nehemiah while the workers are busy doing the work of trying to put this city back together again. We have a discouragement because we hear that the workers in verse 10 were saying, look, there are things that are going on here in verse 10. The strength of the labourers is just giving out. It's almost saying, do you know what? I've had enough. I just can't go on. And there's such rubble, they're saying. But it was Nehemiah who was actually, he, he knew about these alliances that Sambalat and others were actually forcing uh, their, their hand, if you like. If you read in chapter 6 and verse 17, between Judah and Tobiah, there were the complainers, there were those voices. And I think in one part it says that the messages that were getting ten times, tenfold. And I want to encourage you this morning, what can we do? Are we a people who are going to be anxious? Just on Monday, um, I had uh, some news about something, which uh, I can only describe it as, I don't know if you can ever imagine a wind tunnel. Now, I've never ever been in a wind tunnel. Okay, I'm looking at you, Dave, because you're, 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 like, you're my man, aren't you? Yeah? They're pretty big, yeah? And so if you put like, something in like a tunnel and you switch it on, I'm looking at Dave because he's very technical here, you know, you're going to get blasted. And that's what happened to me this week. There was something that occurred, and I just said, Lord, please, would you help me? And I had to come to these verses in Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 to 8. And it said this, do not be anxious. I'm always going to put there Ian, but you can put yourself in here. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, 
with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I came across this phrase this week and I thought it was brilliant. Prayer is not a convenient device for removing life's problems, but a loving God's provision for coping with them. So no matter what we are facing in this world today as Christians, we can come to our God who is love. And finally this morning, what about fear? Verses 11 to 23. We read that Nehemiah went out to work and he was someone who in actual fact went around different places. He says, therefore I stationed some of the people behind the lowest points of the wall and exposed places. And that was a risk because as those walls in Jerusalem were so low that he actually put families there to pray with swords and spears. And he says, after I looked over the place, I stood up and said to the nobles, and this is a word, remember the angels, we get very excited at Christmas, don't we? Where we hear the news of the angels to the shepherds, do not be afraid. And here we've got Nehemiah saying, don't be afraid of them, the enemies. Remember the Lord is great and awesome. And that's what we've been singing this morning. This loving, eternal God that we believe in is going to fight for us, for your sons and your daughters. And it goes on in verse 15. When your enemies heard that we were aware of their plot and that God had frustrated it, the work carried on. And I want to close and just by saying to you this morning that faith and fear do not go together. But I found it interesting that Nehemiah got someone to blow a trumpet. And that sounds a little bit crazy, doesn't it? To blow a trumpet beside you, to alert everybody to an attack. But Jesus has given to every person here the Holy Spirit, the gift of God, the paraclete, the one who comes alongside. We don't need a trumpet sound. We need God through the power of his Holy Spirit to draw us closer to him so that we have got the Spirit of God that gives us that witness that we can glorify God in this place today. But like Nehemiah, our God will fight for us. We can bring our prayers to God, to our God and I was saying to the people in um, uh, our Alpha course just on Thursday, the Lord's Prayer, our Father, our Father. Every Christian around this world who claims Jesus Christ as their Lord can say, our Father. We don't own that prayer. But Jesus has placed in us a spirit that will work with him because we are doing God's work. And I want to close my sermon this morning to you by reading out to you Isaiah chapter 12 and verse 2. Surely God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. The Lord is my strength and my song, 
So that means we can worship God, everybody. And he has become my salvation. With joy, you will draw water from the wells of salvation. I just want to share with you honestly and openly this morning that there is no other place than we can find ourselves at the foot of the cross. If we feel today that we're in the desert, we're on our own, and we think that the well isn't there, well, the well of salvation is there and it's open to everybody who trusts and believes in Jesus Christ as their Lord and their Saviour. Whether we are worshipping God on a Sunday, today, tomorrow and every day, we have a God who is an eternal God, who is the same yesterday, today and forever. We worship him, our living God, because it's in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. He is the one who has started this good work. The proverb said, I was there and he set the heavens in place when he marked out the horizon and the face in the deep. We have a God who is love. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and he sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. So that is why we worship that is why when we know that Jesus Christ, God, is with us in every situation, we can give God the glory because that's what Nehemiah wanted, not just for Jerusalem, but remember our salvation, Jesus Christ. This good news came from that city, Jerusalem, and those walls and those places were rebuilt, but it was only for God's glory. Amen.